This is another Health Bite brought to you by Healthy North Coast. So we face a lot of challenges in our daily life, in our modern, fairly fast paced lifestyle. It's a lot of pressure on us to support our family, to succeed, to get into the right university, to make enough money, uh, to care for our children in the right way. A lot of expectations on us in our modern society. And in the wake of all that, we can be very harsh with ourselves. We can expect a lot of ourselves. We can use criticism as a motivator to achieve what we think we need to achieve, to, to get ahead in life, to support the people we need to support. And we can cease to be kind to ourselves. We can cease to offer self-compassion to ourselves. And so self-compassion is a great antidote to the modern pressures that we feel, the pressure to succeed, to perform, to earn, to be the best parent, to be the best employee, uh, to be the best child. And so there is this, um, this concept of self-compassion. There's actually a definition of self-compassion that a researcher and teacher and author in the States, uh, Kristen Neff, came up with. Now she wanted to research uh, self-compassion. She wanted to find out what were people's levels of self-compassion and how did levels of self-compassion affect their well-being, even their physical health, um, their satisfaction with life, how did it impact on levels of depression, anxiety, uh, physical health? And so she came up with uh, three components of self-compassion. The first component of self-compassion is mindfulness. We need to be aware of our experience before we can do anything to take care of ourselves. The opposite of mindfulness is we don't, we're not aware of our experience. We don't pay attention to what's going on for us. Our mind wanders. It's very natural for the mind to wander. It's very natural for us to think about threats in the future, things that we did in the past that we weren't very happy about. Um, it's very natural to establish a very firm sense of ourself as, as a being that is suffering that has anxiety, that has regret? What can we learn from our past mistakes? Um, what do we need to prepare for in the future? And we're often really caught in this, caught in the middle of all of this regret and anxiety about the future. We don't often calm our mind and stay present, just being aware of where we are um, now, what's happening for us right now. The more we're able to tune into what's happening for us right now, the better we are, we are able to see if we're suffering, see what's going on, see the pressure of um, modern society or expectations to notice when we're feeling bad, notice when we need to start tending to ourselves. Another way we don't pay attention to our experience is we resist the fact that we're not feeling so good. Um, the advertisements on television that tell us to take a pill so that we can 
get on with our work life. Take a pill if you're feeling sick so that you can get to work. Even take a pill if you're feeling depressed or anxious so that you can get on with your responsibilities. So we're actually supported by society and by um, the, the culture, the commercial culture, to ignore our present experience, to pretend that we're not in pain or that it doesn't matter that we're in pain, that we have anxiety or, or depression. So there's a lot of value in being able to be with our present moment experience. It's the only way we can truly see what's going on for us. It's the only way we can um, get a sense of what we might need to, to take care of ourselves. Not to ignore the fact that we're not having a good time, not to get lost in regret and worry, but how, how are things for us right now? So this is the first component of self-compassion. How are things for me right now? What's going on right now in this moment? And from there we can work out, well, what can I do? What do I need to do about that? Just that slowing down, just being aware is a, a vital part of the process. The second component of self-compassion is being kind to ourselves. Once again, there's not a lot of support in our society to be kind. There's a lot of support to help us to get along with our work, get on with our responsibilities. But to actually stop and take care of our own needs, we're not often supported in doing that. And in fact, the opposite is often um, more prevalent, and that is being unkind to ourselves, judging ourselves harshly for what we haven't done. It gets back to those societal expectations. Um, there's a lot of ways we could beat ourselves up. We're not that parent that all those parenting books tell us that we should be. We're not that student at university who's achieving all those high grades that we need in order to get the job, in order to set us up for the rest of our life so that we can continue to perform and provide for our family and make our parents happy. We're not that employee that's getting the promotions, that's doing well. There are so many ways that we can put ourselves down, we can criticise ourselves for not meeting our expectations and expectations of the society in general. And so we use this inner critic as a motivator. We beat ourselves up in an attempt to get to where we think we need to be. And what we think we'll find when we get there is happiness. We'll be happy. If only we could just keep beating ourselves up to motivate ourselves, eventually we'll be happy. Ironically, um, we're generally not that happy. We just, we get to one goal and another goal appears and then another goal appears. Um, we never actually get to that state that the inner critic is telling us we'll get to if we keep beating ourselves up. And so self-compassion asks us, how would we treat a friend? How would we treat someone we really cared about especially in the face of suffering, of discomfort, of feeling inadequate, of uh, worrying about providing for our family, worrying about our future and our career. 
How might we talk to a dear friend in that situation? We say something silly in front of our boss. We get angry with our child and we regret that that happened. We become impatient with our spouse. Um, we suffer a bit of road rage and we get angry at that other driver on the road. All of these are ways that we feel bad about ourselves. How would we treat a dear friend who was telling us that this thing happened to them and they're feeling badly about it? Usually we're very kind, we're very supportive, we're very non-judgmental. We don't look for answers to questions like, well, why did you do that? Why did you not do that? And you're a bit silly or you're a bit stupid. We don't entertain that line of thinking when we're talking to a friend. We do when we're talking to ourselves. So when we're able to practice self-compassion, we start to treat ourselves more in the way we'd treat a dear friend. We start to offer that kindness, that non-judgmental attitude. We support ourselves rather than criticizing ourselves. The third component of self-compassion is common humanity. So when we recognize that our own experience of feeling inadequate, of feeling silly, of feeling um, abnormal, it's actually a shared experience. All human beings have the experience of feeling bad about things that they've done feeling embarrassed, feeling shame, feeling regret. This is a shared human experience. It doesn't separate us from the rest of society. It doesn't make us abnormal. Now this is in contrast to how we might often feel when we're feeling bad about ourselves. We do something silly or embarrassing or inappropriate and we feel as if we're the only person in the world who ever did such a silly thing. We're the only person in the world who ever said that sort of hurtful thing to their child. We're the only person in the world who ever said such a foolish thing in front of our boss. We're the only person in the world who treated our spouse that way. We tend to isolate ourselves. And this is where um, this concept of shame comes in as well. Shame being a universal human emotion. Shame actually makes us feel very isolated from the rest of humanity, but we all experience shame. So what happens when we are able to consider our experience as the same as every other person's experience? Our experience of embarrassment, shame, regret, is the same as everybody else's experience. We're able to tuck ourselves into that sense of common humanity. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in my experience. Everybody feels this way. So this is a third component of self-compassion, knowing that we're not alone, knowing that our shame, our failures, our feelings of inadequacy don't separate us from everybody else. So, these three components, the mindfulness, uh, being kind to ourselves and recognizing the common humanity in our experience, they lay the foundation for a whole 
program of training called Mindful Self-Compassion. This is a training program develop, developed by uh, Kristen Neff in the States who came up with that definition of self-compassion and Chris Germer in the States as well. So Chris Germer is a clinician um, working, also working at Harvard University. Kristen Neff being a researcher, teacher and um, associate professor at the University of Texas in Austin. So they came together a number of years ago and they developed this eight-week program to teach people the skills of mindful self-compassion. The beautiful thing is that we can learn these skills even if we don't have much of a sense of mindfulness, even if we're not kind to ourselves, even if we feel like we're abnormal and no one else has this experience that we have, we can actually learn to cultivate these qualities. We can learn these understandings. And this is what the Mindful Self-Compassion program is all about, to teach us to be kind to ourselves, to be mindful about our experience, and to see ourselves as part of the human experience. Even if we didn't learn these skills as children, even if our parents were unable to instill in us a sense of um, kindness for ourselves or an understanding that we're part of the human experience, we can learn these skills as an adult. It's not too late to learn to start being compassionate to ourselves. So there's a program called the Mindful Self-Compassion Training Program. It's being taught all over the world now. And research has shown that when we're able to increase our self-compassion, which is what this training program is all about, we tend to be happier. We tend to have better life satisfaction. We even tend to have better physical health, we're finding. Higher levels of self-compassion also correlate to decreases in things like depression, anxiety, uh, feeling bad about ourselves. So we can actually change our experience of being with ourselves in the world when we can develop a stronger sense of self-compassion. We can develop this muscle of self-compassion and mindfulness that can serve us well as we move throughout the world. Self-compassion gives us the ability to be courageous with our emotional experience. It allows us to stay with ourselves in our difficult emotional experience. We don't feel we need to turn away from ourselves. We have the courage to be with our difficult experience, to ask ourselves, what's going on? And what do you need? in the same way we would do that for a dear friend. And so this training program is being offered in Australia. Um, this is the second year in a row we've been teaching it at Byron Bay. And this is an affiliation with the University of Sydney Centre for Rural Health. You can find out more information at their website, cbttraining.com.au. And to find out more about mindful self-compassion in general, you could go to the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion's website, which is based in the US, which is Center for MSC, 
centre spelt the American way, C-E-N-T-E-R for M-S-C dot org. There you can find recordings of meditations, so you could listen to some guided meditations um, that help you to develop these skills of mindfulness and self-compassion. There are videos, especially of uh, Kristen Neff, explaining these components of mindful self-compassion. There are lists of books that you might like to read to support your understanding and practice of mindful self-compassion. And also there's a list of the trainers and programs throughout the world where you could do um, a mindful self-compassion program. So if you're experiencing anxiety, depression, the effects of a strong inner critic, that inner voice that beats you up every day, telling you to do better, do more. The invitation is to try some mindful self-compassion. You haven't really got anything to lose. You can start off in very small ways. There are some short meditations that you could do that are on the website. You can start to develop a mindfulness practice and a mindfulness meditation can be as short as paying attention to your breath kindly for three minutes. Do you have three minutes in the day to start to tend to yourself, to start to slow down the inner chatter, slow down the inner critic, and just be mindful of what's happening in your experience? How would it be to learn a practice that doesn't turn into another goal, into another thing to strive for in your life, but a practice that simply invites you to be with your own experience in a kind way and to give yourself what you need in that moment, the same as you would for a dear friend. This is what self-compassion can do. Thanks for listening. Check out healthynorthcoast.org.au for up-to-date and reliable health information in northern New South Wales.